Formulae FM, this is Upgrade, episode 263. Today's show is brought to you by Linode, ExpressVPN, and DoorDash. My name is Mike Hurley, I'm joined by Jason Snow. Hello, Jason Snow. Hello, Mike Hurley. What a busy time it is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We have a hashtag Snow Talk question that comes from Tom, and Tom wants to know, Jason, can you describe your ideal Apple Watch face? Oh, boy. Apple watch face. Apple watch face. Which Apple way do you say face. it? Apple watch face or Apple watch face? Do you see what I'm saying? Apple watch face. Apple watch <laughs> face. <laughs> um, I want a. Uh, I want analog hands and I want numbers in a circle. Like you can actually set California or utility was the classic one. It mm-hmm. looks a lot like watches that I used to wear. Um, but I want the modern large complication circles on it so you with california you can get a little bit of that um but it doesn't have the circles on on the inside they're on the outside i think actually the california face uh which i changed to just be uh arabic numerals it's got a uh a circle complication oh i should also say one through 12 i don't need the seconds or the minutes or whatever and i also don't like it when it's just like uh, the twelve, three, six, nine. I want all twelve. All the numbers. I want that look. Um, I have a little circle complication above it, which is my carrot weather, and then you've got the four corner complications. That works really well for me. So I've actually been using that. The California face is it. There's so many different options you can have with the California face. So you can have so, corner complications on that face, huh? Yes, you can. Because I've been, um, I've been uh, spending some time on the Apple Watch website for no uh-huh. real reason, mm-hmm. just playing around with no. the configuring. So, it's because it's due diligence as a uh, it's, podcaster you know, and it's my commentator job to, about Apple to play around mm-hmm. with the configuration yep. thing. So I've been doing that, and uh, the ceramic watch, ceramic watch, which I've been looking at for no reason. Just I've been looking, you know, like I've been looking at all of them. Yeah, uh, sure. The white, the Studying. white ceramic watch looks mm-hmm. really good with the California face. It's the it's the face they use to show that one off. Um, And the white and black California face, it looks really good. And I just wanted to say, you know, just for the sake of saying it, because I've been playing around with it, the white ceramic with the black, uh, what is it called? The uh, link bracelet? Yeah. It is a bold look. It's a very stormtrooper-y look. It is a very, very expensive watch. we're like in a little uh, parenthetical bubble here inside Snell Talk, uh, but I, I'll share it with you that because I write about this stuff, I tend to be you know getting a new Apple Watch every year mm-hmm. so that I can write about it. So I'm always reluctant to get anything but the cheapest Apple Watch. Yep. But I will tell you, oh, the, the, the titanium. <laughs> I'm looking at it's it. It's cool like, in you, huh? Yeah, well, the stainless, you know, it's kind of heavy. And although there is the stainless black, because I've been looking at the titanium black and the stainless black and all that. It's like, I, you know, if I was just a consumer getting a watch that I was going to use for the next few years, that would probably be what I would do. I'll probably just go aluminum, space gray. As always, I've already got my order in because, you know, I spend too much money on Apple watches because I need to do it for my job. But I, yeah. I will admit to looking at that titanium, not the ceramic so much, that doesn't really do it for me, but the, the titanium one and thinking, yeah, it's pricey, but mm, it's also pretty. And yeah, if you've been yeah. buying the aluminium ones, going to the titanium is like a $400 jump. But if you've been buying stainless steel, it's 100 So like right. it's, it's another option to look at then, I think, at that point. But I agree, like it is a... Very, very different, uh, very different calculation if you're going to that level. 
but I'm just yeah. saying the white ceramic. I'm just saying I hear. I that hear you. I love it. I adore so the California it. Face, I'm try it on. I feel like the California Face is is a great, having only used Watch OS 6 intently for like a week. I feel like that face is really great because it's so flexible because you can change what it does in so many different ways. And that means that it's one face, but it can look dramatically different based on what you do. My only complaint about it, and this is what keeps it from being my ideal watch face. It's very close, Tom. It's very close. Is the color issue mm-hmm. where California face, unlike other Apple watch faces, doesn't give you the option to set the color of the watch face uh, in a mode that allows the complications to be multicolor. Right, it's monochrome only. Yeah, so I like the black watch face. Not with a white dial, I like the black dial. So it's basically white on a black background. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only complaint I have about it is that I would actually prefer my complications to be in color. Okay. And they're not, they're monochrome. But other than that... Um, that actually lets me, it's flexible enough that it lets me get very close to my Apple watch face. I have to be honest, this last year I've spent a lot of time using Infograph Modular. And while it is incredibly functional, so before I had a series of essentially Swiss Army watches that looked very much like my ideal Apple watch face with the kind of tasteful sans serif numbers 1 through 12 around the dial and I had I had one that was metal uh like uh brush metal and I before that I had one that I actually got when we got engaged that was an it was a nice again not expensive but a nice watch before that I had you know a nerd watch I had like a Casio calculator watch at one point um and infograph modular is like the calculator watch of Apple watch faces <laughs> where it's like it's super nerdy, <laughs> uh, but super functional. Uh, and I have been using that a lot the last year, but I, um, I in this last week, have been using that California face, and I like it a lot better. I really do prefer having the watch hands and the complications. And I, I you know, it, it's just... And the complications around the side does mean that you don't have the uh, watch hands moving in front of your data. <laughs> Certain times of day, you're like, I can't see this right. button right now. That's not great. So around the edges is a little bit better. Uh, but again, I would really like it if I had the option to make those complications in color. But otherwise, it's very, very close. So thank you so much to Tom for sending in that question and allowing us to go on a wild couple of tangents there if you would like to send in a hashtag snow talk question to open a future episode of the show just send out a tweet with that hashtag and it may be included um it as we are recording today it is september 16th 2019 um which means that depending on what time zone you're in either today or tomorrow uh, september 17th is five years of upgrade. It's five years of upgrade uh, and five years of sixcolors.com. Yep. September 16th. And the embargo on my iPhone review was late in the day. I think it was like 5 p.m. or something. It was not in the early morning. It was late in the day. And as a result, uh, the Relay FM CMS is in GMT. And so it's dated September 17th in the CMS, but it was actually simultaneous with more or less with the launch of six colors i mean six colors had soft launched just so that it was there and ready to go but i wasn't pointing people to it until my review stuff dropped and yeah so so five years right right now five years basically so we we talked about it two weeks ago right Mm -hmm. we talked about it or three weeks ago before all the madness of a draft and then an iphone event 
but uh so you can go back and listen if if you want to hear us reminisce about that but uh yes thanks to everybody it's been a great five years uh, September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and you can join St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Relay FM this September, along with organizations such as the World Health Organization, who are committed to transforming cancer care with the goal of curing at least 60% of children worldwide with six of the most common cancers by 2030. With your support, you will help St. Jude stay true to its life-saving mission, finding cures and saving children. Donate to support childhood cancer around the world at stjude.org slash pineapple. Right now, that is stjude.org slash pineapple. The last week has been absolutely unbelievable. Um, we had a fundraising goal of $75,000 for St. Jude. Uh, we are at $131,740 right now. Um, I want to thank everybody who's donated um, and everyone who continues to donate. Uh, I want to thank, you know, all of our podcasting friends here at Relay FM and, and elsewhere. Um, like the wonderful guys over at ATP did a wonderful job of talking about this. Um, going into the podcast-a-thon, which is this Friday, September 20th, from 4 to 10 p.m. Eastern, to be close to doubling our original goal is an incredible feeling. Um, I want to double it and then some now, and that's what I really hope can happen over the. Ne- we're only halfway through September, like, and we're going to keep talking about this all September. I want everyone who's listening to this to join us on Friday, four to ten p.m. Eastern. You can find some time in there. We've got some wonderful hijinks planned. We've got some really great stuff that work. I'm very excited about it. Jason's going to be there. Jason's actually put something there. together for us, which will allow me uh-huh. and Stephen to take a bit of a break, which is awesome, and you're going to love it. Um, we are just absolutely blown away by the support of, of our uh, wider podcasting audience here. You're all unbelievable. Uh, please continue to give. Um, go to stjude.org slash pineapple to do that. You are actually not just making us feel happy for raising this money. You're making like a real effect. Like this is this amount of money is, is making a real effect to St. Jude now. Um, and that is absolutely unbelievable. So thank you for your generosity. Now, I like the fact that, you know, some people look at this and say, well, come on, they're, they're so far above their goal. That was obviously a low goal. And then and then they were planning on it being more than that. And that ha- that's a fundraising technique. It does happen. I can exclusively report here that although you guys both told me that you expected to exceed your original goal, you had a second goal in mind mm-hmm. that you could unveil and uh, and and probably have that on the podcastathon. And I'll just point out that you're uh, way over your second goal. Yeah. So this is a legitimate, <laughs> yeah. taken by surprise, yes. blown well, through the goal only, kind of thing. Uh, we hit the seventy five thousand dollar goal, and then hit the one hundred thousand dollar goal that we had in mind the same day. So yeah, uh, mm-hmm. or like within twelve hours. So you know, at this point, we're absolutely blown away. But please continue to give. Let's just. Let's just keep doing this, you know? There's, yeah. there's no harm in that. It's only good, so thank you. Now, that'll be great, uh, that podcast-a-thon. I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's uh, iPhone unboxing, you know, Apple product release day, basically. So that's actually a, a, a pretty great time yeah. to do it. We'll be unboxing a phone on the stream. Uh, we mm-hmm. have some guests planned. We have some games planned. Uh, I have a very nice jacket. Some games that people on the stream can participate in is mm-hmm. my... Having having done some of those over on the incomparable, there's there's going to be opportunity for audience participation at points. It's so. very fun. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we're we're really really excited about it. 
Okay, let's let's do some reflections on last week. There's always little right. bits of information. Um, I I had mentioned oh, yes. on the show about not liking the black crown on the ceramic white ceramic watch. Uh, many people pointed out to me that this is probably for uh, the ECG, so it needs to be conductive, and it's probably a piece mm. of metal. Mm-hmm. I still say I wish they could just find a way to make it white, though. Right, right. I yeah, feel like I there it. must be a way, and I would prefer it if they'd done that. But, but I will say, the more that I've been pairing it with black watch bands, the more I'm like, oh, it's actually quite interesting. You can make it work. Right. But I still would have preferred to see that white. You're just doing your due diligence. Just my due, gil- research. due diligence. Research. Yeah, it's yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's my job to research the mm-hmm. Apple Watch configurator so I can report yeah, on good. it on the show. I appreciate your commitment to your subject matter. I, I really do. And I at least feel that my accountant once told me that as long as I talk about it. <laughs> That's right. It's a <laughs> business is, expense now. We've done it. Expense. Good job, Mike. I think Good that's job. how it works. Uh, Jason wrote a great article about the U1 chip, which goes into depth about the possibilities of this technology. So this is, we, I think we touched on it last week. This is a chip mm-hmm. that is in the iPhone, uh, which uses ultra-wideband technology, which unlocks a bunch of capabilities that Apple did not touch on in the keynote and is probably the technology that would underpin uh, an Apple tag product, so this like tile or tracker like replacement. Um, and you had a, a great article which included a bunch of quotes as well. Uh, so yeah. I kind of wanted you to, to talk about that a little and then maybe share some of your excitement about this technology because you do seem pretty, uh, as Tim would say, pretty bullish on it. Well, I mean, the potential is enormous and talking. So I knew a little bit about it last week when we talked, but then I talked to this guy who's the, I think, director of marketing for this for DecaWave, which is this chip maker that has been um, making and pushing UWB for a long time. And you got the sense, I got the sense talking to him that that there was like this almost celebratory moment of like, even though their chips aren't going in the in the iPhone, <laughs> they're like oh, it's going to be in every iPhone. Because what's going to happen, their feeling is like Apple puts ultra-wideband in the iPhone. It means everybody who... All these other phone makers, like Google and Samsung and HTC, like all these phone makers are on these consortium panels that are pushing this tech forward and have been for years. So it's not like this is an Apple thing that Apple invented at all. But once it's in the iPhone, I mean, what he said is it feels to him like the moment when they put Wi-Fi in the iBook, which uh, was like, oh, this is a this is a thing now. Everybody's going to want Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is going to be a thing. And what's really interesting is unlike uh, most technologies that are standards-based where Apple kind of gets to them when Apple thinks the time is right, 5G would be a good example of that. The, Apple is the first company to ship smartphones with ultra wideband they're they're first out of the gate and the technology is amazing like i said last week that uh according to the the bare hardware specs of ultra wideband you can use ultra wideband to determine the location of a device within 10 centimeters which is about four inches um what the guy from decawave told me is that's the bare raw if you do some extra work it can be precise down to a couple of millimeters. <laughs> so the idea that this tech, not only does it do data transfer that's faster than Bluetooth, it's slower than Wi-Fi, it's faster than Bluetooth though. Not only is it more secure because it can't be spoofed by amplifying a signal because the 
it's all based on uh, the speed of light in a round trip. So uh, a lot of a lot of hacks of like Bluetooth proximity stuff is you you get the uh, you get the transmission from somebody's phone like in the restaurant and then you transmit it to an, uh, a a relay basically that's close to uh, their car mm-hmm. and the car unlocks because the car is like oh you're close so my so I'll unlock. Whereas if it's measuring the the bounce time of the the packets basically the bounce time uh, at the speed of light of the radio waves it knows that 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 key is not close so it's more secure um, it's it's precise in a way that Bluetooth LE is not because it's it is all about that um, that strength of signal and so then there are all sorts of applications because you know my door lock is a smart door lock and it's Bluetooth LE and it will sense when my phone is near the lock. And it unlocks. But the way it has to do that is arcane because it has to, and follow me here, it has to uh, have location services on on my phone in its app. It has to see me exit the area around my house and then see me return and get the Bluetooth signal. And then it unlocks the door. And the reason is... Otherwise, I'm always just around my house and it's like, oh, you're here. And how does it know to unlock your door? So it actually has to watch you leave and then watch you come back. Um, and it's because, you know, Bluetooth is limited in what it can do. With ultra wideband, you know, t- theoretically, it could actually see you um, walk away in, in detail. But it also knows w- literally when you're standing in front of the door on the wrong side of the door. Uh, and then potentially, if you come in and close the door, it can see that you're now inside the house. And so now it knows you're home and not on the wrong side of the door. And then it can lock the door. And that's just one example. Um, whole home audio is a good example where, you know, imagine uh, a future world where when you walk from room to room in a house or an office, the, you know, the audio you're listening to follows you because it knows exactly where you are, as opposed to now where it knows sort of like vaguely where you are or smart home stuff where it knows that if you're in this room, it's going to prioritize the temperature in that room or it's going to turn on the lights in that room. And, you know, the the home automation can be as complex or not complex as it needs to be. But uh, what you don't have right now, uh, unless you're rigging some uh, occupancy sensors, and even then you don't know who it is. You just know um, that there's somebody there. Uh, So there's a lot of potential for stuff like that, that it's just precision AR stuff where you can know exactly where objects are if they've got these chips in them. Um that's another uh, another thing with huge potential. So it's just a lot of stuff like that. It's very exciting that this stuff may come to be. And the guy said he thinks it's a no-brainer that it will be in the Apple Watch eventually because ultimately what you want, especially if you're tracking people around a house, is real kind of biometric uh, assuredness that the person is where they say they are. Because we leave our phones behind, but we don't. You've got a watch on your wrist they know where you are exactly. So yeah, it's really interesting. Um, has a, a lot of applications for stuff like that. If you, if the simple version of it would be kind of imagine that it's, it's very close pinpoint kind of GPS, especially inside where you can't do GPS. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's really uh, potentially great technology. And the reason that I'm more enthusiastic about it is that Apple is apparently all in on this. And that's really interesting because that means that they have evaluated it and found it useful for their purposes. And Apple is a great popularizer of technology like this because once Apple's got it, everybody's going to want to have it. I mentioned the uh, Apple tag a moment ago. 
like the this product that's been rumored a bunch. And I saw you tweet the other day that you had a pet theory uh, that it's because of air power is one of the reasons they may have delayed the launch. And I liked this theory and wanted you to expand on it a little bit. Well, I my gut feeling, and this is just a, you know, it's, it is, like I said on Twitter, a pet theory, is this is... So th- there are lots of things where they're like, oh, this OS feature got delayed. This OS feature we're going to pull out and it's going to be later this year. We have a and whole topic later on talking about exactly those right, things, right? Right. So they did that. So how does that square with this feeling that the keynote was a little short, that the U1 chip only got mentioned in marketing material and not on stage, even though it's this brand new chip from Apple. And we know how Apple likes to boast about its prowess in creating new chips with clever names that are a letter followed by a number. Um, and none of that happened. And and so it's very easy from that to go, yeah, you know, I bet the tracker thing just got pulled out at the last minute and that's why it didn't get talked about because this would have been the perfect time to talk about the U1 in the context of the tracking thing. And my pet theory is that the difference is that's a hardware product. And for some reason, they were not 100% confident that they should announce it at the Apple event. And I think it comes back to air power. I think they all had a conversation, (laughs) you think, a little more than one, about what happened two years ago when they announced a product that was a piece of hardware that they thought was ready, but was totally not ready. And I think maybe everybody agreed that if hardware is not ready, don't announce it. And that's my pet theory about air power is that they thought, or not about air power, but about uh, tracker is that air power was the lesson. And the tracker is the uh, manifestation of that lesson, which is, you know what? If we're not hundred percent confident, if it's not ready, if we've got some issues, if it's not, we're not sure about it, don't announce it. We can announce it next month at our event that we haven't announced, or we can do a press release, or we can push it off till mm-hmm. next year, but don't announce it. And, um, you know, it it gives them the option if, like, what if this fails? What if the U1 doesn't work as well as we think it's going to? What if they're having some serious problems with the radios or serious problems with the tracker or the battery life of the tracker or the chip itself in the tracker maybe needs to be revised? I mean, there's lots of reasons why it's not quite right, all the way to the point of them never releasing it and saying, well, we never said the U1 was going to be anything other than point-to-point airdrop for now. So never mind. They could do that. So that's that's my theory, is that I wonder if this is Apple being careful about product uh, announcements for hardware that they're not ready with because they got so burned with air power. It would not surprise me. Uh, I wanted to touch on uh, Apple Arcade really quickly. Um, there's I, I just noticed on... Uh, someone just sent to me that it looks like Apple just had an embargo go out for Apple Arcade. So some some YouTubers and and such got briefing time and now they're talking about Apple Arcade, so that's the thing that's happening. Uh, But I wanted to give some follow-out to uh, another show that I do here on Relay FM called Remaster, which I hosted Federico Vitici and Shahid Kamalamad. And we did a deep dive into Apple Arcade, kind of what we think about the games that have been announced uh, some thoughts on some of the developers that have been announced to be involved. And then also, as is we usually will do on Remaster, which is what makes the show, I think, a little bit unique because Shahid worked for PlayStation for so long and basically 
worked on projects exactly like this for PlayStation. He brings his industry knowledge to talking about this stuff as to why a company might want to go into a deal like this and if and kind of like talking about does he actually think that it will be effective uh, overall for the developers so that's remaster episode 80 if you want to listen to that then you can yeah it's uh yeah we will probably be getting since this was a a uh, noon eastern embargo it would not surprise me if we're about to have the roll rolling embargo uh, festival this week where there's a new embargo drop at 9 a.m. every day this week yep. leading up to the phone release and, Watches, and the watch release. iPhone yeah. 11, mm-hmm. then iPhone 11 Pro, you know, all that. So, there will be separate yep. embargoes, I'm sure. Uh, so that's that's going to be a whole thing. There we'll was some see. stuff like Entertainment Weekly had a big, like they had a bunch of previews as well. So uh, there's there's been a bunch of, of stuff going up and this week is probably going to be a lot more. So that'll be fun. All right, but we have a lot of stuff to get to on today's episode, so let's take our first break and thank our first sponsor of this episode, which is DoorDash. Whether you're super focused at work, having a chill day, or you just forget to do your meal prep this week, you still need to eat, right? And why not get something great? Because with DoorDash, you can have dinner from your favorite restaurant delivered right to your door. Ordering is easy. You just open the app, choose what you want to eat, and you have your food delivered to you wherever you are. Your favorite pizza place is probably on DoorDash because there are over a quarter of a million restaurants in over 3,000 cities. That is door-to-door delivery in all 50 states of the U.S. and Canada as well. So you can order from your local go-tos or choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Cheesecake Factory, many, many, many more. Uh, Jason, have you used DoorDash? I have. I used it with our uh, local uh, Indian place, which was uh, which is great. But uh, we weren't weren't going out. It was actually um, my wife was working, and so it was my kids and me. And uh, we didn't want to go anywhere, and we didn't have any food in the house, and we hated everything. And we we're like, "Well, what are we going to do?" And I said, "I know, let's use DoorDash." And uh, in fact, it was. Uh, the first time I used this, it was in the afternoon. And that was a nice feature is we ended up having a conversation. This is before summer vacation was over about what we were going to do for dinner since it was just the three of us. And we did that in the afternoon. I was able to go to DoorDash's website on my Mac and pre-schedule our order and say, we all agreed on when we wanted it delivered. It's like, let's have it delivered at 6 PM. And I put it all in and then just forgot about it for the rest of the afternoon. And at six o'clock, there was a knock on the door and there was our hot uh, Indian food and we had, uh, had dinner. So super convenient. Right now, listeners at this show can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code UPGRADE. That is $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code UPGRADE. So download it right now, start planning your dinner, and get that $5 off your first order with the promo code UPGRADE. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. We have a lot of upstream news. We have some headlines, yeah. and then we have some big stories around Apple TV Plus as well. We will start with a cancellation. So do you remember that weird-sounding drama TV show uh, that Apple bought the rights to, which Richard Gere was going to be in? And it was him and another actor, I don't think they'd named yet, who played elderly Vietnam veterans who hated millennials, and they had a woman that they were both in love with who died. <laughs> yeah, I remember us being puzzled by that premise. Yes. It was based on an Israeli uh, TV show. Yeah. So this show has been canceled because of undertones of vigilante justice. Mm-hmm. So it turns out Shocker. that uh, 
the the plot is them going on a shooting spree. Like that's the yeah. the plot. I can't believe Apple bought this show. Now I'd never seen that part mentioned until the cancellation. Um, but Apple wanted the show to focus on the relationship between the two veterans, but the show creators and showrunners wanted to focus more on the anger and violence. The show has now been canceled because Apple doesn't yeah. want to make a show like that. Yeah, and this is one of those things where Apple had given a commitment, so Apple has to actually pay a uh, pay a fee, uh, a penalty mm-hmm. to abandon the show. But uh, I could see why they would not be want to be involved in that show. Yeah, that's this is one where it's like you know what. Maybe that's not the right type of tone you want to be setting. I get that one. And and that was their note to the producers, and the producers were like, no, this is what we want to do creatively. And Apple's like, well, we're going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Here's your money. We're walking away. But they're making more deals. Joseph Gordon-Levitt will create and star in a drama for the service. It is said to follow an elementary school teacher grappling of adulthood in L.A. That's what we've got for that one. But mm-hmm. it's another series coming from a well-known name um, who's has a good track record. And they've also acquired the rights to a documentary that has been completed from Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, it's called Dads, and it will feature a, quote, light-hearted look at modern, parent, uh, modern paternity around the world, revealed through anecdotes and wisdom from average dads and celebrities like Will Smith, Jimmy Fallon, and Neil Pat- Patrick Harris. Um, uh, is, what, what, what is it? <laughs> you don't sound too happy about this one. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is not for me, because I, I looked at this and I thought, this description gets worse with every word. Okay. <laughs> It's like, okay, it's a documentary about da- lighthearted documentary about dads featuring celebrity dads. Okay, great. It's being produced by Ron Howard. Well, that's appropriate, right? Appropriate. Bryce Dallas Howard's uh, dad thing about dads is being produced <laughs> by dad. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, uh, a theatrical run for this documentary is also being considered, and it's being shown off at a film festival. Uh, uh, let Let me recommend Father's Day. Let's just go lean all the way into it, mm-hmm. all the way. Mm-hmm. So this is just something they've picked up. I'm not sure why they did that, but we'll find out. You gotta have movies. That's something that you and I have talked about a little bit. Which is this is not all TV shows, right? It's they're gonna have they're gonna have movies, but it's not gonna be like a catalog of old movies mm-hmm. as much as it is that they're going to put their money in for movies that are either going to premiere on Apple TV Plus or are going to go to theaters and then will be exclusive to Apple TV Plus after that. And so they're you know they're they're trying to find ways to plump up the the relatively meager catalog of Apple TV Plus. Yeah, it's probably going to be a lot of documentaries as well. I reckon that are yeah. going to be the movies because this happens quite a lot with documentaries, right? Somebody makes them and then shops them around, and somebody buys them. For like, sure, it's. I think there's a. You know? I think there's an accurate feeling. It's it's entirely accurate that um, people don't go to see documentaries in movie theaters very much, but they do watch them on streaming, and so that's where they go now. Yep, that is a very very good point indeed. Uh, what else have we got? Apple TV Plus is going to have a web app. So we'd wonder what they, Apple would do in the sense of if you can't uh, get to it from whatever device you want to get to, right? Like maybe you're on an Android device or maybe you've got a TV that Apple isn't supporting, but it has a web browser. Well, there's going to be a web app. Um, this is kind of putting to rest as well the idea of Apple's content and whether it's going to be family friendly. Remember we were talking about that, right? A long time ago, like, oh, they're going to make everything family friendly and everyone was pointing to the stuff that's been canceled and it's like, oh... It's all going to be just for kids. Well, a bunch of expensive the NBC, right? Yes, expensive that was the idea. Network television. Yeah. Well, many of the shows uh, carry TVMA, which is mature audiences, or as I saw here in the UK, the word caution on them, which I find mm-hmm. 
much cuter, really. Uh, but that's so we know that now. C, uh, the morning show, for example, they're both uh, TVMA. What that means, you know, whether it's going to be violence or nudity or language or a mix or of language. all of them or whatever mm-hmm. it's going to be, but these shows are meant for adult audiences. So they yeah. are going to have that mix. My guess is, and I, I heard from some people who are like really disappointed by this because they were hoping that the NBC's, or <laughs> see, I did it again, mm-hmm. expensive NBC's brand, Apple's brand was going to be expensive NBC. It was going to be, well, these are, these are family friendly, uh, at least to a point. It's not going to be really hardcore. I think the truth is, first off, it's not entirely true, right? Like network standards are not what they were 20 years ago. And there's more stuff you can show on network TV. Not every network TV show is appropriate for young audiences, even though, uh, you know, there are limits to what they will show. Um, But more than that, my guess is that Apple has its own idea. And you look at it with something like them killing the the show about the the angry veterans who want to shoot at millennials. Um, I think they've got an internal idea of what their standards are. And they, with the TVMA or caution, I think what you're really going to see is um, failing, to, failing to see them so far. We're going to have to just guess. But my guess is going to be there's stuff that they're not going to allow. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's other stuff they are going to allow. And so if you're in these kind of ratings boxes that currently exist, something like TVMA, my guess is there's stuff that is traditionally thought of as TVMA, that is mature audiences only, that Apple is okay with, and that other stuff they're not okay with. And so, you know, it's a very blunt label. But if you were believing that everything that um, that Apple was going to show was going to be sort of PG, then that's not the case. No. It's like we just, uh, for Connected, our member special, our Relay FM member special just posted, we watched the uh, Steve Jobs movie, the mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender movie, and that's um, like rated R, but it's just language. There's nothing yeah. else in it. And, and I know that language can be difficult for people, right? I understand that, but I think when people see this, they think, well, this is just Game of Thrones, but it, d- it doesn't mean that, you know... Yeah. Like Jennifer Aniston is not going to behead Steve Carell, right? Like that's not going to happen. Yeah, probably not. If she does, it'll be like we won't see it. It'll be off camera. Uh-huh. But there's definitely going to be some some adult-oriented themes at least in those shows, I'm For sure. sure. So. And and I and, and I get if you if you if you're not cool with it, but I personally am happy to see that they're going to have a range because that's what I want. I want a range. I want to be able to pick uh, in my content. Right. Disney Plus is up and running in the Netherlands. Now. Yeah, how about that? Congratulations <laughs> to the Netherlands, who is getting a weird, like, test run of mm-hmm. Disney+. Plus. New Zealand is usually the place that games companies pick for stuff like this, mm-hmm. but Disney has picked the Netherlands. Uh, right now, the application is available, and it's in the free trial period. Uh, there's uh, some articles, and I'll put, uh, put a tweet in the show notes, which has a video kind of showing the interface. The interface looks really nice, but there's been stuff about that before. There's a lot of like interesting ways they're categorizing things. Like, it's like a Darth Vader collection of stuff. Um, yeah. It's all back catalog right now. None of the original content is in there yet. That's still coming in November. So uh, there's a lot of... There's, it's cool that they're doing it because we'll get to see it, but... Uh, and it would be even nicer if, you know, I could get it, but I uh, won't, still won't be able to. But uh, This yeah, also so explains cool. why they made that announcement that it was going to be available in, like, the U.S., Canada, and the Netherlands on day one. I thought, the Netherlands, right? It was like, this is why. It's yes, yes. They are using it as their test market, and and uh, so that's where it's starting. But Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah it uh, definitely felt weird at the real. time, but now we get it, right? Now we understand. So, yeah. um, Netflix fighting back... 
they picked up a sword and have swung it at the competition. So they're losing the office. They're losing friends. But in 2021, they get Seinfeld. Worldwide streaming rights. Seinfeld's on Hulu now, I think, mm-hmm. in the U.S. But they're they picking it up and they're picking it up worldwide, which yes. is very That's interesting. That's the big thing. Because right? I don't yeah. think it streams anywhere else. Hulu has this weird deal that they get all the rights, I believe. But like, so you can't even... It's like difficult to even buy digitally in other places. Like it's like really limited. Uh, but now Netflix have picked it up, streaming worldwide, 180 episodes. That's a big get. So they're not giving in for as much yeah. as they're losing stuff. They're still fighting, um, and and this is it. You may be asking yourself, well, what what's the difference between Friends and The Office and Seinfeld that those are leaving Netflix and this is coming to Netflix? And the answer is, Friends is owned by Warner Brothers, Warner Media now. The Office is owned by NBC Universal. Seinfeld is owned by Sony, which doesn't play in the streaming wars right now, really. And so, um, on one level, this is great because it's like, oh well, this is we can be a free agent. We can sell this to the highest bidder. Netflix can roll in and do it. On the other hand, I'm just going to point it out now, and we can file this away for an episode of Upgrade in 2021. Whoever buys Sony's entertainment business is going to be so angry that they've yes. given Seinfeld away to Netflix. Yes. But oh well, that's uh, right because we've seen so many of these deals where everybody they they sell streaming rights away for some long period of time and then they have their own uh, aspirations and they have regret. It's and crazy. It to feels me that like this may this. be like yeah because this means Sony's like this is a crown jewel and they're going to get a lot of money for it, which is great. But what does it say about Sony's aspirations? I think it says that Sony's current management doesn't really think that they're going to play in these streaming wars and they're better off selling their um selling their catalog to one of the giants for lots of cash. So here it is. So it is believed that Sony Sorry, that Hulu was paying $160 million a year for Seinfeld. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix are going to be paying upwards of 200 because they had to wrestle it away, right? Because who wouldn't want to grab this? Because it's the only show that anybody can buy, right? Because the rest of yeah. them are like of this type of caliber. The rest of them are all locked up. I bet they paid a lot of money for that. I bet they did. And I'm interested to see, because I don't think Netflix have said yet, how long... That deal is for? We'll find out. Forever. (laughs) Disney CEO Bob Iger resigns from Apple's board. Uh, Seems about Uh time. Uh, If you you may remember, Eric Schmidt was once on Apple's board too. (laughs) That's true. Uh, It gets to the point where like it's probably no love lost, but they're in direct competition now. Like he can't continue to sit in good faith on that board. Uh, They all made the right noises about this. They said, you know, we love Bob. He's great. We expect to Apple. I think said we expect to continue to have our great relationship with Disney and ABC and all of that. Like they they're very positive about it. Um, And so it may be Bob Iger uh, wants to take that step back in general. Um, What happened to Steve Jobs' shares? Did they go to the estate or did they go to Apple? Because that was they like went a to whole the estate. thing for no, a while. Those were it? his. That was his personal share. So no, Lorene Powell Jobs may still be one of Disney's larger share individual shareholders. Right. I don't know if she's divested of them or not. Because I remember that was a big thing for a long time, wasn't it? That like, wasn't a corporate relationship. It was Steve right. Jobs was on their board. Uh, but you know, Disney has been very supportive because of the relationship, especially between uh, Disney and uh, Pixar. Like the the relationship between Bob Iger and Steve Jobs was was strong, and they would make deals with Apple. 
Um, they were, I think, the first on board with some of the TV stuff was ABC stuff. So it's a longstanding relationship. But it's true, they are less aligned in some ways than they used to be. I don't think anybody really considers Apple playing the same game that Disney Plus is. And in fact, they will probably be uh, partners, more or less, on the fact that they're tying into Apple's data uh, in the TV app, and they're going to be on Apple's platforms and stuff like that. But yeah, I think there comes a time where you say, this is weird enough, and I'm going to need to recuse myself from this portion of Apple's business, that maybe it's better that we go our separate ways and just be kind of partners. Being partners, business partners, where it makes sense is a lot different than having your CEO on the board of somebody who you compete with in some areas. So it makes sense. All right. So what else do we have? Aha, this is an interesting story. Apple TV Plus the year that everybody gets for free, and services revenue. So there's two parts going on yeah. here. First was an article that you wrote, which was really useful, and little did we know we'd need it a couple of days later. <laughs> so uh, you were kind of thinking about, like, what is going to happen? Because I think we'd even touched on it in the show, right? Like, on last week's episode. Like, what is going to happen to services revenue as Apple gives away this year, and then what happens the year after when they in theory, pull it back, right? So everybody then has to start paying. Right. So you kind of went digging and noticed that Apple changed how they account for services and hardware being bundled together and what happens in the revenue reports. <laughs> yeah, I noticed this because it broke all my charts because they had to they had to restate their earnings for one previous year, which also meant that all other previous years were no longer using that technique. It's very frustrating. And it's it means that my charts, my beautiful, beautiful charts don't work <laughs> as well as I wish they did. But it, it uh, twigged something in me when this came up. I was like, oh, you know, they did just change that to take, and it's weird, right? So basically, um, they have decided, and I think this is a due to like it being good accounting practice, is what you're supposed to do is if you include services with hardware, you should not allocate all the money to hardware because you're bundling services in and they're part of the value of the phone. And so what Apple did was they classified some value for the service of providing Maps, Siri, and the that 5-gig free iCloud account. Um, and they amortized that over some period of time that's the life of an iPhone and include that in services. So when they restated their earnings, what it ended up doing was shift the services revenue up and the hardware revenue down a little bit because basically if you think of it this way if you buy an iphone for a thousand dollars over the course of time i don't know forty dollars of that or something is considered services revenue i don't know the actual number now i don't think apple's disclosed it um is it goes to services that revenue goes to services instead of hardware it's not a pure hardware revenue when you buy an iphone because some amount of the content of it is considered services now those are on all the time so you wouldn't do that with something like the apple tv thing but i would imagine that they would you know transfer some revenue to the services line um you have to sign up for it it's one per family so it's only a percentage a you know a limited percentage of iphones sold that will that will sign up for the year of apple tv plus and those are the only ones they're going to count 
And I'd imagine that it will be discounted. I don't know that for certain, but I, I would imagine they're not going to say, Welp, it's four ninety nine a month times twelve, and that let's deduct that from the iPhone revenue for this iPhone. I imagine they have a bundle price or something that's a, a discount, but still that they're counting it against it. But even if it's the full price, it's going to be for a small percentage of iPhones that are the ones that sign up for the service, and that'll go towards services revenue. So in the end, what will happen is the per unit uh, sales of iPhone will go down a little bit in terms of revenue per unit, um, which is another thing we don't know because we don't know how many units they sell. And the services revenue will go up a little bit, and it'll just be a little trade-off that they they uh, it will be accounted for. I guess is what I'm saying. And because somebody was asking, because before the weird thing happened after I wrote the story, what people were really asking was, what does this mean in terms of? Uh, of next year, like Apple's deferring services revenue for a year because they're going to get no revenue from all these free accounts. And is that bad for services revenue in the short term? And my answer was kind of not because there'll be some allocation for it. It actually might be worse in the long term than it is in the near term, right? Because this is what I, I was talking about last week of like, you do this for the first year, you you put a bunch of uh, money in because everyone's jumping on that that year free so you're like okay we're gonna take the money from the iphone put it uh into the services bet right and you get like a bunch of like a services part and you get like a, a spike of revenue but then a bunch of people don't take it for the second year and then it goes down again potentially right but apple potentially. i guess are hoping that with the combination of a it doesn't cancel automatically Look, they made that choice, all right? Look, you you can say what you like about Apple being the perfect company you wish they always were. They made the choice that this is a renewing subscription if you take that year free. So they're hoping, I guess, some people just let it roll in. Or two, that they will have a compelling enough slate of content by that time that people will want to pay for it. That's the hope that they're going to make. But if a bunch of people do cancel, then it was an interesting and maybe risky thing to do. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, somebody at Goldman Sachs kind of went a little bit berserk and issued a note in fear of this whole thing, saying that if they do, I like this word, amortize the revenue, uh, the ASP, the average selling price of their products, is going to see a significant fall and therefore expected to see a 26% decline in Apple stock. There is a lot of massive assumptions made in this note, and I know that the with these like investor notes are always big assumptions, but like this is probably doing what you said we would not do, right? Which is take four ninety nine yeah. a month and multiply it by twelve and take that off the price of the iPhone for five years, which would be a large hit to ASP. But they're not going to do that, right? Anyway, Apple issued a statement refuting this claim, saying that Apple TV Plus will not have a material impact yeah. uh, on ASP. Clearly, Apple knows what amount they can swallow, right? right. They are aware of this, and they make the decision. The existing services thing, I looked it up, um, the average, cause, because they restated their 2018 figures, mm -hmm. I think, you could actually compare it to the previous figures that were not restated. And my calculation was that basically on average, iPhone revenue was reduced by 1%. So 1% of iPhone revenue was transferred to... Um, services revenue. Yep. And it's not going to be that amount again. It'll be less than that. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. So so, so on a $1,000 uh, iPhone purchase, 
$10 goes to services and $990 goes to phone revenue. This is not even accounting for the fact that the ASP may have changed anyway, right? Like Apple might have efficiencies. Yes, because what are the margins? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. For example, there's no 3D touch on these models and that that had a specific cost that is not there anymore. So we don't, and we don't know any of those details. So yes, right. Like I cannot imagine that Apple is doing a a clever end run here to gut iPhone revenue to (laughs) blow up services revenue, right? We're talking about small numbers Mm -hmm. and it is bananas that uh, Goldman Sachs wrote what it wrote and that Apple had to refute that. Apple's stock price at the moment is largely tied to changes in services revenue. Yeah. Right? The the analyst uh, at Goldman Sachs who wrote this note uh, is often on the on the call, the analyst call after mm. the results come out. Uh, that's how I recognized his name. And I thought, oh, you're not getting invited on that call <laughs> this time. You're not going to get a question in this time, Rod Hall. You're not going to get a question There's in. There's another level <laughs> of weirdness that you may be thinking to yourself, where do I know that name, Goldman Sachs? They're Apple's partner on Apple Card. Yeah, they're independent for financial analysts and all that, but it is weird, isn't it? I know. I know that that stuff doesn't overlap, but it does. It just adds another level of weirdness to the whole thing, right? Where, like, that analyst has got a call and it's like, why'd you do this? <laughs> Someone's, you know, from an interdepartmental memo. So you've, sure. re- you've really given me a bad day. <laughs> I, I have complained about So, IDG's uh, parent company owned an analyst firm, uh, mm-hmm. owns an analyst firm, IDC. And, uh, we criticized IDC's forecasts. By the way, IDC's forecast is the one where they um, they announced sort of in the early part of this decade that in, in two years, Android would have like 70% of the smartphone market and Windows Phone would have 25% or something like that. And the iPhone would have 5%. It was some, it was one of these, or it was actually more egregious than that. It was one of these things where it's like, it's over for the iPhone, Windows Phone's going to take over and and share it with Android. And it's even, maybe it was even like kind of down on Android. It was going to be like 50% Windows Phone, 40% Android, 10%. And at the time it was ludicrous. Anyway, um, we would occasionally refer to some dumb prediction that IDC would make. And would I get a call occasionally from someone higher up at IDG or from someone over at our colleagues at IDC complaining about us uh, beating them up in public? Yeah. Yeah, that would happen. (laughs) So I'm sure Rod Hall got a call from somebody, but he's going to, he's going to say what I said, which is, you know, we're independent. We get to say what we think. Mm -hmm. Um, And even uh, in this case, even if it maybe it was kind of dumb. It was it was pretty dumb. So yeah, yeah. lots lots of stuff happening in streaming uh, media yeah. this week, and it's and we're entering like the season of it, right? Like this is where it's all going to start pretty soon. It's all it's all going to be dropping. It's all going to be happening. Mm-hmm. Are we going to talk? Is does Upstream become TV reviews in well, November? Was, I, don't I was know. just about to ask you this question. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess I. This is it's terrible to ask for a straw poll like this. I don't really know, if, but like, do do people want us to do that? Right? 
shall we review shows i think first reactions of some of these shows might be worth it i don't think we we need to go in depth but i think some first reactions mm-hmm. would be good i am hoping and he doesn't even i think know this yet but i am hoping that Stephen hackett will join me for a series of tv podcasts over at the incomparable about for all mankind because it's a space show yeah and I, I'd love I, to I talk hope that with you him about that. that even if you just do it on so lift we'll off for, but like whatever like at least I've, i'm really keen to hear <laughs> you guys talk about that tv show right um, right because it's i i think that one i think of all of the tv shows that i've seen that one has the most interesting premise to me the premise is really really good um right i i, I mean i've heard a lot of people like even after last week I still like the premise of C. Like I, that, it still I still find it like intellectually very interesting. Uh, but for all mankind, has the most compelling one I think of of all of the ones that I've seen. I, this is the show in case you need a refresher, uh, where the Russians get to the moon first and the space race doesn't end. That's that's kind of in a nutshell. That's the yeah. show. So, yep. Uh, is that the Ron Howard one? No, it's Ron Moore, right? That's the Ron Moore. It's Ron show. Moore who did yep. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yep. So great, great name tied up behind that as well. Okay. Today's episode is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. You can get everything up and running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. It doesn't matter if you're working on your first server or deploying a complex system. Linode are the folk to go to. They offer the fastest hardware and network available with outstanding customer support. So if you ever need it, they've got that right help. They've got that help right there for you. It's the best it can possibly be. It's super easy as well to launch a Linode cloud server. They have block storage available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore, soon to be released in Tokyo. And version 4 of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta as well and includes an officially supported Python CLI as well command line interface i know what that abbreviation means a lot of the abbreviations in Linode's ad copy i don't understand but that one i can work out uh, but right now as well Linode are hiring as well if you want to learn more and check out what they're looking for go to linode.com slash careers Linode has pricing options available to suit everyone for their uh, virtual servers their plans start at just one gigabyte of ram with five, for five dollars a month and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM and more, so you can scale it to your needs. And Linode have a special offer for listeners of this show. You could go to linode.com slash upgrade and use the promo code upgrade2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. If you sign up for that one gigabyte of RAM plan, it's going to get you four free months of service, so you can really put it through its paces. Linode also have a seven-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose for giving them a try. Go to linode.com slash upgrade today and use the promo code upgrade 2019 to learn more sign up and make the most of that 20 dollars credit our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of relay fm so we mentioned last week that we will talk about this this week and that is apple software release schedules because they kind of gave a very brief overview and then everything became a lot clearer later on so uh, I'm going to link to a post over on Mac Stories. John did a great job of putting this together to have all the release dates. I'm very quickly going to give an overview of what we're going to be seeing over the next couple of weeks. So iOS 13 drops this week on the iPhone on September 19th. iPad OS and iOS 13.1, it is assumed but not known that these are the same thing, drop on September 30th. tvOS 13 is on September 30th. WatchOS 6 is on September 19 uh, if you have a Series 3 watch or later. Uh, if you have a Series 1 or 2 watch, it's coming some point later this year. 
HomePod uh, software update is on September 30th, and macOS Catalina is in October. Now, if you remove macOS Catalina from this, because macOS tends to come a little bit later anyway and has done for the last few years, it was probably expected that iOS, iPadOS, tvOS, watchOS, and the HomePod update were all supposed to drop on the 19th. But we all saw throughout the beta cycle, which was rocky at best, uh, they split it, right? This is the first time Apple's ever done this, and they started beta testing 13.1 before 13 had even reached GM, the Golden Master. Um, and I believe as well, so I've, I've had people ask me this question, if you are running 13.1, you can actually upgrade to 13 on the GM. Huh. Like, th- that it will be possible to do this. That That is my understanding. I don't know the method in which you have to do this. You may have to do it on uh, a Mac, but you don't have to, is my understanding. I need, like, I haven't had this completely confirmed, but I, my understanding is you can upgrade to 13 without needing to wipe your phone. So, okay. That is a possibility that I have heard. Uh, but this, you know, this is where we are. Um, there are lots of features being pushed 13.1. There's some features that we're expecting for 13 that aren't even in 13.1. Uh, there, and then you look at stuff like there's new cross-platform features. If you look at Reminders and Apple Arcade, right? These are supposed to be cross-platform. They're not going to work everywhere on day one. Reminders is even more tricky because you have to upgrade your Reminders database to take advantage yeah. of the new things, which then means Reminders won't sync. So all of your 13 iOS 13 devices will sync, and all of your non-iOS 13 devices or before Catalina devices, they will sync, but they won't sync together. I tested this myself today. I have reminders running on uh, 13.1 on my iPads, and I have not upgraded my phone yet. The reminders databases, they have completely different tasks. They are not seeing each other. And then you look at Apple Arcade, right? The idea of One of the ideas of Apple Arcade is you can play these games everywhere, but it's only going to be on the iPhone for the best part of two weeks. So, armchair analysis time. It's a nightmare <laughs> this year, right? Like, this is one of the worst for releases. Now, it could be, and I'm sure it is, that they are doing this to maintain stability across all these devices, which is great, right? Like, you are better to delay and make it stable than you are to release it all at the same time and it be an absolute nightmare for everybody. But we're assuming that these are all going to be stable <laughs> when they come out. Right, because not a lot of people are really even getting to touch the 13 GM right now, because everyone's on 13.1. I've been running 13 on my iPhone this last week. I actually didn't oh, yeah? update it until until the 13 GM came out, mm-hmm. the most golden master, and uh, <laughs> that's the one I'm running on it, and it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it feels I think pretty stable. It's good. It's weird that it is missing all these things that are in the betas, but it's uh, it's been fine for me. And the GM of WatchOS six too, actually. I wonder if 13, straight up 13, is going to ship on the phone. I don't know. I mean, they have a 13 GM, and it they have builds of it for all the different phones. So I would imagine that everybody on an iPhone will get the 13.0 build on uh, Thursday. But has it changed the camera app? You know, I don't know. Because stuff like the way that you take video by just pressing on the camera shutter, I can't imagine that that's just for 11 and above because it's not. Well, my my guess is, uh, and I don't have my phone here to check, my guess is uh, that the 13 build on the new iPhones might be have a different camera app enabled than the 13 build that's on everything else. And maybe right. that's a 13.1 feature for mm-hmm. everyone else. I don't know. Possibly, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, this one has been it's been a bit standout for a lot of the wrong reasons this year. Yeah, well, this is this is we um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but it's the idea that ideally everything Apple ships in the fall ships at once because you do have these interlocking services. You do have the reminders stuff, for example, where you need to be on all of them across the board. Um, but you, uh, you, you know, you can't ship or if you're Apple, you can try, but it's very, very hard to ship every single operating system on the same day. Plus they learned their lesson that like that breaks stuff on their servers. So they want to roll it out over time anyway. And I think that there's a level of maturity in them saying, you know, the iPad thing's not ready and we really need to get the phone thing ready. So we're going to push the iPad uh, back a little bit. So it's one of those things where I feel like they're being grown up about this and saying, look, we can't do it, you know, and we can complain like, well, you should be able to do it. Maybe they should. But I also kind of like the idea that they're saying, we know we should, but we can't. Like, it would be irresponsible for us to ship what we've got. So we're going to we're gonna make some choices and we're going to roll this out over time. I think, um, I think the next shoe to drop is don't conceive of something like reminders that requires everybody to be on the same version. Like, you need to build that feature update so that there's some level of compatibility if you're not going to, if you're going to stagger your releases, yep. right? That That's the next step is don't make assumptions that the releases are not staggered if they are. And reminders is the perfect example of that, which is like literally if you get this on your iPhone and you press the update button, your iPhone and your iPad, and you're not on betas or anything, when this release comes out, your iPad and iPhone no longer talk uh, for reminders if you press that button. And if you don't press that button, hey, reminders is here. It's new. Don't press this button because it's not on your iPad yet. It's not ideal. And no. I think that um, maybe in the future they will. I think that's the next stage here is not. First step is admitting that you have a problem, which is that you can't ship everything at the same time. Step two is no longer building your software with the plan that everybody's going to get the update at the same time because they're not. And as Mac users, we know that lesson because the Mac hasn't been getting those updates at the same time, at the same time as iOS forever now. But iOS 13 does have a lot of features in it that are really great. We've both been using it for a period yeah. of time. And I wanted to focus on a couple of things about that we're excited about. I want to talk about some things that are in iOS 13, but I haven't got to use yet. And then we're gonna, then you're going to talk about some of the things that you have enjoyed using most already in iOS 13. Um, so I have a small list of stuff. Apple Arcade. I cannot wait to see these games jason i am the, the closer we get the more excited i'm getting because mm -hmm. it seems like apple surprise didn't do a great job of talking about the games that they have on this service i think a lot of it may have been I mean, in their defense i think maybe a lot of games were like waiting to be completely finished or they're rolling out like a couple of days later or for whatever reason they went with what they went with their press release that they sent out was pretty good. It had a good list, but there's still like, it seems like there's going to be an Us 2 game. There's Creators of Monument Valley coming later this week, right? They have like a game that nobody has seen anything about that's dropping as part of Apple Arcade. I am really excited to dig into some of these games. I keep seeing teasers. Um, there is a Twitter account uh, called, I think, Killer Cow who has been compiling all of this stuff. If you're interested in seeing the games that they used to work at Touch Arcade um, and Pocket Gamer, if you are interested in seeing some of the games that are coming to Apple Arcade, that is a Twitter account to follow because they're doing a good job of compiling all of those. Um, but I am really excited to get my hands on this. 
and it seems like just the more and more I find out about it, the more and more I stand firm in my assertion that this is the best value streaming uh, like subscription for service that Apple has. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. Uh, multiple Windows support on iPad OS. This is something I haven't really been able to play with very much because most of the apps that I would want to use multiple Windows with, they obviously don't have iOS 13 builds yet. So I am really keen to try it out. I will get ready to start the clock on Google Docs <laughs> and how long that's going to take <laughs> to update. But once all those start coming out, like I'm really excited about that because I think it's going to be a great way to change some of my workflows uh, on iOS. So I'm really excited about that. Um, sign in with Apple seems keen, like something I'm really keen to try. Uh, Joanna Stern did a really good article about that. It seems like uh, she got some access to some some sign in with Apple um, yeah. apps. So, And also as well, I saw that Apple had clarified a little bit, like they've reduced some of the restrictions on sign in with Apple to make it um, more comprehensive for applications that shouldn't be blocked by it. So, you know, they've done right. some work there, but I'm, I'm really keen to be able to use that feature for some stuff that I'm not massively keen on giving some of my information away. So that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Dark mode in more applications. I absolutely love iOS dark mode. I will leave it on all the time. I love it on my iPads. I'm going to turn it on on my phone, leave it on all the time because I always choose if an app has dark mode, I'll put it to a dark mode. So I'm really excited to see that Apple is kind of popularizing further this idea and giving people more tools to enable that. So I'm excited about that. I've been using that in uh, timing mode where it's uh, sunrise, sunset basically Mm -hmm. is dark mode comes on on my iPad because I don't use dark mode at all on my Mac. Um, and I've liked it. I've actually liked it. So I think that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to have it be in the daytime. It's light mode and at night it's dark mode. That works for me. And also reminders. I haven't, uh, really given reminders a fair shake yet because I've not had, um, iOS 13 on my iPhone, but I want to see if it's possible for me to move from Todoist to reminders. Ah, yeah. I want to give that a really good try. I am very keen with the the features that Apple has been adding, um, and I'm I'm really excited to one read Federico's chapter in his review on that, um, and two, sure. uh, so I can really get the full deets because I think he's been using it, like he's been like really using it and has moved to it. Of course. Um. So I, you know, because I know he always tries stuff out, but I I I actually don't notice for sure. But from the hints that I've gotten from him, is he has moved to reminders. So I'm willing to give that a go as well because I don't use over time. I have I use less and less of the kind of power user features of Todoist, and I think reminders might be able to do what I want. So I'm keen to try that out. I will have the problem of not wanting to up having the issue of not wanting to upgrade my Mac, but that's just a thing I'm going to have to deal with. Uh, and, right. And like I don't mind. I mean, really, all I ever do on my Mac is mark off a task, but I never. I'm never at my Mac without an iOS device being around. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. We'll find out. Maybe that will be the thing that makes me move to Catalina. We'll see. But uh, I am. these are some of the things I'm excited about, Jason. Yeah, sounds good. Those, those are all, you know, I'm not as excited about those things as you, but I am still interested in them. I'm very interested in Apple Arcade. And multiple windows I have yet to actually find uh, find a scenario where I really embrace it but that's partially because some of the apps that i would use yes. in that scenario aren't aren't 
updated yet. Exactly. Like for iOS one app that I've seen that looks really interesting in that regard. Uh, again, I've I've only seen like videos of it. Is Drafts, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So the the Drafts app, um, the the like text app. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff that uh, Agile Tortoise, the developer, seems to be doing with multiple Windows stuff. Like you can, because I, I didn't even know you could do this. You can press a button in the app to open a second window, which I. I straight up didn't know that you could do that. Um, and then you can have like live markdown previews alongside your text. So I think this is one of those things where I'm in very intrigued to see what developers are able to do with the multiple window support. Uh, like are there weird and wonderful things that I hadn't yet considered? So I'm excited about it. So we started doing a, we put our list together, me and Dan Warren um, of our features that we were excited about and uh, rolled it out as the beginning of a series on six colors. Um, that's the 13, 13 features of iOS 13, because what we're not going to do is write um, tens of thousands of words about iOS. Somebody else is on that one. And uh, mm-hmm. good, someone's good got that him. covered. He got it covered. I don't need to do that. Not going to do that. Um, and I decided rather than writing like a mega review of iOS 13, again, somebody else has got that covered. Um, and I wrote down all the features off of all the marketing pages and everything of all the features in iOS 13 and iPadOS 13. And there's so many, so many. And I decided, you know what? I can't do this. I'm going to triage this. I'm going to pick some features that are my favorites and I'm going to write about those. And so we're going to do, well, let's see if we get to 13. We should, it's called that. Um, we can find 13 features that we like. Um, the 13 features of iOS 13. So first one I wrote about, it's already up, is shortcuts which is just the shortcuts updates are great and they're going to get even better. Like shortcuts in iOS 13, um, they make more sense visually because they're sort of phrased like sentences. So you can see sort of like what a block in shortcuts is doing and where it's getting the information from, which used to be implied, but not explicit. And it also allows you to replace that uh, you know, what it's using as its input. It used to be, since it runs, shortcuts run from top to bottom. So it's sort of like this step, then this step, then this step, then this step. It used to be, the assumption was, it was always taking from the previous step. And if that's not what you wanted, you wanted to grab something from somewhere else, you had to like insert another block and say, no, no, get this thing and now use it. And it was really messy and uh, frustrating. And with this new approach, you just change the part of the sentence that says what it's getting and point it at some other thing, uh, which is super helpful. Um, and so I like that a lot. I like that it's not quite a shortcuts feature, but shortcuts are in the share sheet now as individual shortcuts. And you can edit the share sheets to put your favorite shortcuts up at the top, uh, which means that now it's like one very easy tap to get to your most important shortcuts, which makes them way better. Um, likewise, the widgets on the home screen on the iPad, it's so much better. I put shortcuts widget on the home screen and I can just run some shortcuts from the home screen. And I don't need to open up shortcuts and find that shortcut. It's in the widget. I tap it, it runs and we're done, which is uh, really great. Um, there's other stuff going on too. Uh, the... Um, there's automation stuff coming in iOS 13.1 that has the potential to be uh, pretty great in that you can key off uh, NFC tags or times of day and run uh, run shortcuts at certain times. There's a simplified version of that that will run on your home kit. 
server, basically, your Apple TV or your iPad that's acting as your HomeKit server in the house for home automation stuff that's a little more complex than what's currently there. So, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff in Shortcuts. I've, uh, I'm, I'm very happy to get it, uh, to get an update for that one. Yeah, I've yet to really dig in to the shortcut stuff because, again, I've been waiting to see the applications that I use, what well, they're going to be doing This for is it, the but... thing. the Potentially the single biggest thing that's happening in shortcuts is something that you can't see until the apps get updated because apps can now... It used to be everything that you did with app automation was from the clipboard or from a URL that had a bunch of data inside it. And now in iOS 13, apps can actually... You know, pass data and ask for what what do you want and give me this and I'll give you this back and you know it's a it they're building out the uh, foundations of a completely native way of apps passing data around instead of the old way of cheating by putting it on the clipboard or in URLs. Mm-hmm. But to really take advantage of that, you need to have your key apps be updated to support it. And that may not come right away either because we know a bunch of app developers where this summer has really been a sprint to sort of like get their existing apps to work right in iOS 13. And that's step one. Step two is add some features that are from iOS 13. And then the step after that is look at Catalyst. So um, just as this has been an interesting summer for Apple and its beta release cycle and all of that, I think not all the apps that we want to have fully supporting every new feature of iOS 13 are going to be there at launch day. I think that a lot of developers are trying to make sure that their apps run fine on iOS 13 as step one, and that's the right call. What else? Um, a lot of changes in the Photos app that are mm. really good. Um, a lot of new editing features in the Photos app that uh, it's not quite a match for the Mac version, but it's getting close. I don't know why they don't have a retouching brush in there. It drives me if crazy. Only you have Pixelmator. some kind of device on the iPad that could let you do retouching really easily. I Right. What would that be like? Could um, you Pixelmator Photo will do it. And Pixelmator Photo, if people don't know this, it's amazing. I'm going to write this up at some point. I think that it has not been... Uh, learned it has not been noticed by enough people application not only is it great but you can you so you take a photo in photos and you share it to pixelmator photo and you edit it and then you go back to the share menu in pixelmator photos and one of the items is put this back on top of the existing Mm -hmm. photo in your photos library which i didn't even know was an api but it is and it works and and so you can most apps, the way they work with photos is you share a photo out and then they'll add it as a new photo in your photos library. But Pixelmator Photos will actually add it as the new latest version Mm -hmm. of your existing photo that it's based on in your photos library. It's so good. And it's got that retouching brush so that it'll do um, some pretty amazing work uh, quickly removing people from scenes and stuff like that. Like I have straight up removed complete people from photos it yeah does oh this yeah like machine learning by just retouching. drawing on them and yeah it's great so i you know why is that not in the photos app i don't know but there's still a bunch of good stuff in the photos app and i'm looking forward to the uh changes in the cameras app, the camera app that are happening with the new phones as well um you know my other stuff uh, i have a lot of ipad stuff like the files app and the pinned widgets that i mentioned with shortcuts like i i really like those those are ipad features the desktop browsing and safari the mouse support which i have some caveats safari about is so but... good jason oh my god oh, yeah. safari is so good yeah yeah it's not perfect but it is a, a real transformation of the ipad experience yeah. to have 
uh, more desktopy Safari. I like Find My. I like the Find My app. I like having uh, Find My Friends and Find My iPhone, both of which are apps that I've used in one place in that. And I think that they did a good job. I think it's a good app. I like it. There are some quirks about it that I don't like, where it takes me away like when i'm looking at the map and i want to see who's around me and then it's like nope now i'm not i'm going to take you away from that and show you nothing and it's like come on come on app so there's some there's some things to be worked on but i think it's good to have that there um carplay this is a thing that now it's on my primary iphone that i can use a little bit more is the new carplay is so much better than the old carplay especially the dashboard appearance where you can see the map and you're now playing and like it's and siri doesn't get in the way of everything else that like there's a lot of upgrades to carplay that if you use carplay every day upgrading to ios 13 on your iphone will be a really nice experience because carplay is better it's like a major update for carplay and then um, the swipe typing. I know that you can swipe type on third-party keyboards and have been able to do since they introduced third-party keyboards, but there's a lot of stuff that you need the Apple keyboard for. The Apple keyboard as the first-party keyboard is the one that, you know, it, you keep coming back to the Apple keyboard because it is the one that Apple demands in certain circumstances. Yeah, it, Apple assumes that it's there. And all of my attempts to use Gboard, and I have used it a lot over the years, but... Um, to get that inside of the standard Apple keyboard is very nice. It took them a long time to get here, Mm -hmm. but they did a good job. I think the implementation is good and it's good to have swiping on the uh, default. Still still missing one feature to bring me back from Gboard, and that's emoji search. I can search emoji in Gboard. Can't do that (gasps) on the Apple keyboard. So even though I... I'm so happy because swipe typing, there's the two things I love about G, well, three things I love about Gboard, swipe typing, emoji search, and a better autocorrect, um, or like at least a dictionary. I find it to be much more relevant to what I need a lot of the time. But uh, yeah, it's just a shame that they've not done anything on emoji search. I don't, I feel like at this point, it's going to be a one more thing. Like I can't even <laughs> imagine what's holding them back. I think they believe that the quick type thing where you type the name of the emoji and it gives you it as an autocorrect option, it, mm-hmm. they think is emoji search. Unacceptable. Because like, I agree. I get what you, I get that point. But like, if I type in, in Gboard a word, it will show me like 10, 15 suggestions sometimes depending right. on the word that I've typed. And also Google is very good about assigning alternative meanings to what an emoji is right right and so yeah it's yeah and apple's not so good at that so i would love to see that but anyway ios 13 coming this week uh, i would expect on next week's show we will have a little bit more to say about it um when we finally get our hands on apps that can mm. support it as well as talking about our new iphones and maybe apple watches who knows so i'm very excited about next week's show who as knows well. depends on how diligent we are about you know our professionalism mm so professional this week's episode is brought to you by expressvpn when you're preparing to travel abroad over the summer there's a lot of things that you need to have on your checklist but there's one very important thing that could be missing and if it's if you're not doing it it is missing one app that's going to keep you safe and secure online while you're away and that is expressvpn expressvpn doesn't just encrypt your data when you surf the internet on public airports or in hotel wi-fi it also lets you stream and access content that normally would have been blocked in the country that you're in so you can unblock all your favorite web 
websites and browse as if you were at home. With ExpressVPN, powerful encryption secures your data. It's super easy to use. It runs in the background. All you need to do is download the app on any device, click to connect, and you are protected. The ExpressVPN uses cutting-edge technology called Trusted Server to make sure there are no logs of what you do online. It costs less than $7 a month and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. I'm about to be in hotels for a week as I go back out to Memphis. You can bet that I'm going to be using ExpressVPN on all my devices. It just gives me that little bit of peace of mind, and I'm happy. Don't travel this summer without downloading ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free at expressvpn.com slash upgrade. That is expressvpn.com slash upgrade for three months free of a one-year package. Go there now. It's one thing off your summer checklist at expressvpn.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM, and it is time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions and we start with nicholas nicholas wants to know do you think the ltpo which is the new apple watch uh display the ltpo display will make its way into the iphones maybe in 2020 i mean it's a much larger display Mm -hmm. and there are so many other issues i feel like the way i'd phrase this is apple is always trying to push things forward and they learn from the work they do in other areas. In fact, I, I have made the argument that the Apple Watch display feels to me like Apple learned a lot of lessons when they built the ProMotion display on the iPad in terms of variable frame rate. And then that was something that they had a skill in and that perhaps aided them in building the uh, Apple Watch display. So I'm sure their display people um, push this stuff. Keep in mind they have to work with partners on the panels as well. And you got to have a panel that's large enough for this. But... Yeah, I I think Apple's goal is to make displays use less power and uh, maybe that will... I mean, also, if you had a variable variable frame rate iPhone display, a ProMotion iPhone display, which we still don't have, um, that does work both ways. They could crank it up to super smooth, but they could also crank it down and save a lot of power and this technology leave the light on could more. Yeah. Help them go further, like to one hundred and twenty hertz. Like there there are phones out now that do that. So MKBHD right. just did a review of the new Razer phone, which is a phone with a one hundred and twenty hertz AMOLED display. And he says it's just absolutely unbelievable. Um, and it's doing some stuff, like you can change some of the like the refresh rates and stuff, but uh, a screen that can really like completely adapt in this way could allow Apple to do that without needing to change uh, too much about the phone. Right. Like, this is a thick phone. Like it has a massive battery in it and it will last for days, right? Like he's, you know, it's another thing, but Apple probably doesn't want to make a phone that's this thick. But the LTPO display or that technology could help them in the future. I do think that there there is a probably a goal ultimately to letting your iPhone be on all the time mm-hmm. too, right? Uh, on the screen, so at least have that, the clock there, right? And then the notifications exactly. and stuff. That and maybe nice. some very you know having the notifications there in a very kind of like power friendly way. And they're not there yet. That's a big screen, and the tech is complicated. So you know, twenty twenty iPhones. I doubt it, but you never know. Um, and I'm not sure there's a one-to-one there because the Apple Watch is a very different thing. But I, I would say that Apple's always learning from the uh, the requirements of one of Apple's products will often feed into knowledge that allows them to do something similar on their other products because a lot of their goals are aligned, right? Like having better screens and having better battery life and using less power. And all of these things are the same, even though some of the details per product are different. So. You know, I'm sure it has informed them um, and that we'll see that elsewhere. James asks, will the 
iPhone 11 Pro clear case fit the iPhone XS? I want a clear case, but not planning on upgrading this year. Jason, I did some field research. Oh, good. Good. Boy, you are so professional this week. I know. It's amazing. I mean, not like you aren't. Otherwise, you've gone the extra mile. You've gone the extra mile this week. So I have... Okay, so I have let everybody down a little bit. I couldn't test this on a XS. I tested it on a ten. (laughs) So Adina has an iPhone ten and the clear case because she's going to be getting uh, an 11 Pro. And this is really weird. It fits, but the buttons have moved. Mm -hmm. So the buttons, so the the sleep-wake button and the volume and all the ringers, on the case, they are, I think, a little lower down. So it, it while it yep. fits, all the buttons are being pressed. <laughs> so no, it kind of doesn't work because Siri is constantly trying to be activated. Also, as well, you have the huge camera hole on the back. Uh, James, other companies make clear cases. You can, if you really want one that bad, I recommend you get one that's actually made for your phone. Um, yes, but but yeah, I was surprised about that. The button placement appears to have changed from the ten ten S to the eleven. For some reason, I never thought that that stuff changed. Well, I mean, when the camera bump changes as much as it has, I think they feel like they feel free to make other changes. Yeah. But it's, it's just kind of one of those things that maybe it changes more often than I think it does. Right? Like, And, and I just never I noticed because why would I know? But those buttons have moved. Well, the 10 and the 10S, the bump moved very slightly. Because yes. I, I remember putting a 10 case on a 10S and thinking, eh, it's not quite, like you could kind of force it, but it wasn't quite right. I think it, it was a little bigger, right. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it was yeah, it was possible, but, but this is even less possible because your volume buttons won't work anymore. Mm, that's not good. Not good. Peter asks, the new iPhones don't have the word iPhone on the back. Is this the first step to changing the name? No. no. Uh, but I do want to mention this because <laughs> this is one of those things where like, it can be slightly different depending on regulatory bodies. The backs of the iPhones in Europe are not clear. They, have, they still have regulatory symbols on them. Interesting. Which is a shame because I would love there to be nothing. Uh, I am a, a little bit upset that they moved the Apple logo down because that's exactly where my pop socket goes. So oh. I don't know what I'm going to do about that, Jason. So the um, the... Short answer is no. The long answer is if Apple wants to change the name of the iPhone, what it puts on the back of the previous year's iPhone will have no bearing. Agreed. All right. Our next question comes from Andrew. Uh, what are your current odds on a new Apple TV being unlo- uh, being unveiled in October? Well, there are some rumors out there that there's new Apple TV hardware. Really? So I would say, yeah, oh, yeah. it's the... <laughs> A very slight update to the Apple TV. So I'd say, I don't know, 50-50. I doubt, here's the thing, I doubt it's something you want to wait around for. I can't imagine what they're going to add, which is going to make you like... I don't think they are. I think the rumor is it's a very, very mild upgrade where they're upgrading some of the internals, but it's not. It's still just going to be literally a black box. It's still just the Apple TV 4K that's it. So I, I I would say that there's a decent odds that there might be a new one, but the odds are very low that you're going to care. Yeah. Okay. I guess this is one of the things where it's like, if you can, if you can wait, then wait, but don't worry about it at the same time. I think is, is kind of what I like, you know what I mean? Like if you, if you don't have one and you don't need one immediately, 
just wait until the TV shows start popping out because they won't release something after that. And like, it's not going to be like November 5th, there's going to be a new Apple TV. They'll do it before TV Plus. So if you can wait, then wait. That would be my, my feeling on this. Robin says, will I be able to use reminders on iOS 13, reminders on Mojave, even if it's not the new reminders? So we were talking about this earlier. No, um, you, you can't do that. So that's you bear that in mind before you upgrade. Well, you can. There's a there's a compatibility mode. Apologies. Yes, but you don't get the new features, right? You lose right. some of yeah. the new so you features. Can, you can use it. You're going to have the little button that says upgrade or whatever it is every time. Like our show. Except yeah. I don't think it says that because I would be very excited if that's what it Wouldn't said. Wouldn't that be a, I I think... like, Of all the places to promote the show, Reminders is weird. But like, we'll it's go a for weird it, place. We'll take it. We'll take yep. it. Um, but uh, you'll, be, you'll be being bugged to upgrade to the new feature for a while. Mm-hmm. And that will be annoying. But you can do it. Uh, and you get to use some of the features of reminders before you move over, but basically, yes, you you can. Um, you will just keep getting bugged because Apple can't assume that everybody who's got a new iPhone is running the latest version of their OS everywhere else, and so they can nag you about it. But that's all they can do. Joel wants to know: Are you getting a green iPhone Pro? You got to read the second part because it's a joke. It's a real Slofi's choice. Yeah. Joel, I don't even want to answer your question because you made you said Slofi's choice, and that is that's a bad joke about a bad word. Uh, and the answer is no. No. Not only is green not a color that I'm very good at oh. <laughs> among the colors, but um, I'm I'm kind of a blue guy. If it was a midnight blue iPhone, I would be all over it. But instead, I am getting a space gray and putting it in a midnight blue case. So uh, Michael Steber of 9to5Mac uh, kind of put put like a, a mock-up of a blue. Uh, I know. Did you see it? Like what it a blue so iPhone Pro would look like. I want it. Yeah, it makes me so sad. Uh, no, I'm going for gold, as I always do. Uh, that's going to be my color. Go for the gold. Year. Go for the gold. Mike Hurley going for gold. Um, and uh, Adina is getting uh space gray again she's all about just keeping it keeping it simple my daughter's uh phone is ordered her college going away to college get a new phone phone Mm -hmm. very exciting her first new phone ever it's not a hand-me-down oh yeah yeah and it's an iphone 11 uh in purple Ooh, that's a good color i was poking around at those and like if i was gonna buy one what one would i buy and purple is the one i would go for out of the colors and finally today, Devin asks, what is the over-under on there being a future or current iPhone cameo in C, the TV show? It seems incredibly unlikely to me because it's basically a post-apocalyptic setting, so I don't think they're going to have phones. But yeah. this did make me want to ask the question, what is Apple product placement going to look like in its TV shows? I would not be surprised if everybody in Apple's TV shows uses iPhones and Macs. That's actually not surprising because, I mean, maybe not the Russians and for all mankind. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay. What about like the, like the morning show? Like, are they all going to be using Macs? Yeah, they're all going to have iMacs and stuff. Do you think? I don't know. Why not? I mean, I know a lot of TV shows use Apple products all the good anyway, people. right? Because yes, that's, that's what I was going to say is that this is actually not unusual. Lots of shows have an Apple 
product placement thing mm-hmm. where they get promotional consideration furnished promotional by consideration. Apple. Like it's, I'm watching Brooklyn, yeah. we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine at the moment and that's always at the end of every episode. Yep, yep. They use the iPhone a lot in that. Well, as they well, do. it's one of those TV shows that actually understands how phones look when you use them, right? Uh-huh. That when you're on a phone call to somebody, you're not looking at the lock screen, right? And they, right. <laughs> they do a pretty good job of like trying to actually show what phones really look like in that show and, and when it hold when you hold the phone to your head it is not lit up exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. uh dear, if you would like to send in a question for a future episode hashtag ask upgrade to do that uh once again do not forget september 20th from 4 to 10 p.m eastern live on twitch at twitch.tv slash relay fm the podcast-a-thon, the thir- first ever six-hour podcast-a-thon featuring me and Stephen Hackett and many Relay FM guests. Um, we're really looking forward to this. Please, please try and join us for some of that while we're attempting to raise money for St. Jude. If you would like to donate to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, go to stjude.org slash pineapple, and you can do that. Um, find our show notes today at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 263. You can find Jason at sixcolors.com. I'm sure there is a lot of uh, wonderful work being published over at Six Colors over the next mm. week. Would I be right in thinking that? Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure that we'll be continuing to do wonderful work this week uh, and a lot of it. Many words. All the great words. Uh, follow Jason on Twitter. He's at jsnell. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next week. Big show next week. Get ready for it. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Always believe in your soul, Mike. You've got the power to know because you are gold. Gold! Gold!